So guys, this is probably the first um, time I've ever talked about, we'll say, addiction and how it casually slips into your life and how you don't realise how bad it actually is until you have a proper scare in your life, if that makes sense. So anybody that's listening to this, and I'm sure there's lots of people all across Dublin and Ireland, and if anybody's listening outside of Ireland, which would be a miracle, but if there is, it might help you out too. So one of the things um, I struggled with as, as a child um, is I always wanted to grow up. I always wanted to get rid of my youthful years, we'll say, so I could go out and experience Going out, being one of the lads, drinking. Because the area I grew up in was O'Devney Gardens. It was a brilliant area. I couldn't fault it. It was an unbelievable place to live. Unbelievable people. So genuine and, you know, nice, genuine people. Like The kind of neighbours you'd knock in and ask, have you got some sugar there? Can I have some milk? That's the sort of neighbourhood we lived in. Um... You know, and everybody knew everyone. Um, people knew a lot more about people than they should have, <laughs> in my eyes. But um, everybody kind of knew everything about everyone. But one of the things that we always wanted to do as kids was start drinking. Because it was the regular thing to do around the flats. Um, so you'd play a game of football. The lads be on the line and they'd be all drinking their flagons. They'd have like... Um, their Linden Village, they'd have their Bulmers and everything else. And, you know, that was the culture around the flats. Now, it was a great place to live, great place to grow up, and everybody was very protective of each other. But for me, the the lifestyle that I wanted to live from a young age, or the examples I had to look up to, were people drinking on the on the sidelines while we were playing football, or, you know, that's that's the example that we had. Um, again, I'll... I'll I'm not blaming those people, but that's the example that we would have had as kids. We wanted a, we wanted that lifestyle. We wanted to be one of the lads. We wanted to go out. We wanted to, you know, do things because there was nothing to do for for kids of that age. Um, except you know we had the odd disco for a while that was good, that helped us quite a lot. Um, that went on for a couple of years, and you know we had a. Youth clubs as well, don't get me wrong, they were brilliant as well, but weren't consistent enough throughout the year. Um, myself, personally, I started going out at the age of 15. So when I had my first job as well, I worked in Leopardstown. Um, I worked as a waiter uh, for about, I'd say about 9 or 10 months with a friend of mine. Um, and once I started getting my own kind of money, not having to ask my mum anymore, I started going out. I started going out and people remember this place in a place called Boomerangs at the age of 15. And I thought it was brilliant. I thought it was one of the lads. I was going out with older guys. Um, never did drugs back then at that age or anything like that. But drank a lot um, at the age of 15. And was well looked after. The two guys that actually looked after me put me under their wing. And they were actually nice guys, you know. Um, and, you know, I'm not faulting them for, for bringing me out at the age of 15. That's my choice. And I was... In my head, I was a lot older than I than I actually should have been. You know, I was going out drinking. Was one of the lads. It was the back in the days where you used to have to wear the shorts and the the slacks and the shoes to actually get into a place as well. 
you had to <laughs> you had to look half decent. In 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 lots of ways, we didn't look decent at all. We looked. I mean, I was wearing my dad's shorts going out and slacks from <laughs> the 1980s. And, you know, it was just crazy how you got into places the way you looked. Because, personally, I think nowadays people look a lot better, even with a pair of runners and jeans going into a place. But, look, that's how that's how the development co- came along, is that I always wanted to be one of the lads. You're looking up to people, um, drinking. Um, and, you know, I, I think you have to have that sort of addictive personality as well. I'm not saying I'm free of all my, you know, mm-hmm. wrongdoings in life, but I'm on the right path now and I, I'm 30 years of age mm-hmm. and I can look back now and I can see the paths that I've chosen and I could have went down a, a much different road, we'll say. Um, but anyway, back to the point. So going out at the age of 15, that continue on, continued on till I was about... 17 or 18 then i believe boomerangs was closed down then we started going to reds while i was in school which is a a, a place was brilliant they did two euro drinks on a monday which was very dangerous and the funny story is me and the lads that actually went out years ago we used to go out to reds and this is no word of a lie of a monday and we used to have about 10 euro each <laughs> so we wouldn't be able to afford a taxi in or we wouldn't be able to get a taxi out but we used to go around like johnny big balls Thinking we were the fucking cheese in our, in our fucking slacks and our shorts, you know. Um, I even wore a toy one night. I don't know what I was thinking. Wrapped the thing around my head like an Indian. Baiting around the place dancing like I had <laughs> like I had a million euro in my pocket. But literally I had about a fiver. Um, so yeah, we'd all put our money together. We'd go into Reds, uh, get five drinks and be absolutely scootered. Because we'd have a nagging in our pocket as well. Um, and then at the end of the night on a Monday... We would have to walk home. <laughs> so, literally, we would have to walk home the city centre and Reds all the way to Devney Gardens in the freezing cold. And we did that probably for a good two and a half years. And that's no joke. While we were in school, going into school on the Tuesday morning, hung over to bits at the age of 16 and 17 years of age. So, yeah, those were the days. But, yeah, look, it stems from that. The addiction part of of... Of me wanting to go out and you know I, I have a very addictive personality so if I have if I drink I'll, I'll drink a lot I won't drink like one or two I'll, I'll go out and get absolutely plastered and I'll, I'll come home um, at that age now um, and then after that we'd say we got to the age of 19 20 again I didn't do drugs in the age of 19 18, 19 and 20 but one thing that was going on at that particular time as well was my gambling addiction and I didn't realize I ever had a gambling addiction we used to gamble down in Park A Street um which is now known as it's now known as um Paddy Power sorry it's changed to a Paddy Power now I'm trying to think of the name it used to be um it'll come back to me in a moment but look we used to go down there gambling at the age of 16 17 and 18 doing two euro bets five euro bets and um, 10 euro accumulators you know and the example that we had grown up was you know you'd go down and you'd do a bet and that'd be the norm that'd be the norm for everyone you just go down you do a little bet you do a patent or you do a lucky 15 and you'd walk away and that'd be it you just you go down you do your you do your paint you do your lucky 15 you do your first goal score you do your scorecast you do your accumulator you do your team fall you do all that sort of stuff and that would be the norm. Every single young man and adult 
we'll go down there from O'Devney, from Montpellier, from Montpellier Drive, um, Donard, uh, the cattle market, everybody around those particular areas would go down and, you know, do a bet and that'd be the norm. Nobody would even think twice about it. They probably wouldn't have a little point as well. Um, in Nancy Hans or, 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 or Hanlon's as well. And that'd be the norm. That'd be the norm for me. That'd be the norm for my friends. That'd be the norm for every adult and, and kind of older person around that particular area. Um, gambling, you know, it, it's so casually you know, talked about, and it's not talked about enough for me, because to me, that's the addiction, and that's the drug, that's that that's the one that actually tears families apart, it really is, and, and it doesn't actually resonate with somebody until they realise how much they've actually spent, you know, I've dealt with that addiction up to the age of, going with the three years of, and up to the age of 27, so from the age of 16, to the age of 27, I actually dealt with that particular addiction. And, you know, you don't realise you have an addiction. For me, I didn't realise I had that particular addiction until I had a family. You know, and that's something that, that actually scares me. Because for years and years and years... I wouldn't have any money. And I'd always think, it's because I'm going out too much. It's because I'm spending me money on stupid things. It's because I'm spending me money on too much clothes. It's because I'm going out and I'm, you know, spending money stupidly, buying shots for everybody, or I'm just going out spending lots of money on on ridiculous stuff. In my brain, it never actually clicked with me that it was because I was gambling. Till the age... Of 27 years old. So can you imagine. From the age of 16 to 27. I blamed. Me not having any money. On everything else. But gambling. And let that resonate with you for a minute. That, that That's bonkers. Because. You can ask any of my friends. Anybody that knows me. Um, personally. Obviously you, you guys will get to know me now. But anybody that knows me personally will tell you that I would gamble like three, four hundred euro in a harpy, on a horse, on a footballer, on somebody to win a boxing match. That wasn't a problem for me. That I used to do that without a hes- without hesitation of the circumstances after it. So it's just it's a bit mental that that men don't actually sit down and talk about why they're in the bookies. You know, the feeling when you actually win is the best feeling in the world. And you are constantly chasing that feeling. Now, you could have the luckiest two weeks in gambling in the world. You could win 20 grand as a gambler. But, as my dad said to me before, any money that you win in Ibukis is only a loan. Because you're always going to give every single penny of that back if you keep going back and doing the same thing. It's something that I only realised. And this might help a few people out. Over the last month or so of you being away from bookies. And I know it's still active online and stuff like that. And you can still, you can still bet on everything. But what to do is have a look at your last few months. And write down... The amount of money you have spent on online gambling, 
Um, walking into a shop, if you can remember any big punts that you put on and you lost. Um, don't remember the wins, because the wins, as I said, they're just a loan. You're giving it back. They're just loans. Believe me. I've had months where I have spent my whole month's wages in two days. Now, I'm not talking hundreds. I'm talking thousands of euro in bookies within two days. And I've left myself with enough money just for the rent. So that's that's a scary truth of it. And I didn't go to any counselling. I didn't do anything. What I did is I wrote down the amount of money that I spent over the last few months just gambling. You know? And the funny part about it, well, that's not funny. It's, it's actually quite sad. But the sad part about it is that I could have paid for a car out of the money I spent over oh, in one year. In one year on gambling. So, if anybody, if that helps anybody, just write down the amount of money you're spending on gambling, who it's affecting in your life, what you could have bought out of it, and what your dreams and goals are, what, what you could have achieved from that, you know, it, and, and look, I have a debt in gambling that I'm only finished paying off this month. So, three years ago, I stopped gambling. It took me three years to pay that debt back. That is scary, folks. That That is the scariest thing in the world to think about. That tr- It took me three years to pay off a gambling debt that probably took me a year to make or a year to accumulate. It's bonkers. And I paid that off every month. Now, stupidly, I kept getting loans off the bank and paying it back. Now, why the bank was giving me loans while I was doing Paddy Power online, Boyle Sports online, Labbrooks online, I'll never know. But... I've only paid that debt off this month. You know, it's... And look, if that if that helps anybody, I really hope it does. But if anybody needs any help or, or guidance, write down all of the money that you've been spending on gambling over the last few months. And I can guarantee you it will help you a lot. Now, that's a topic just on gambling. Another addiction that I think we all have and we throw away too casually is a cocaine addiction. Now, people might think, you know, oh, geez, he's talking about cocaine and I, I don't have an addiction. Anybody that I know, and I'm not, look, I'm not putting everybody in this category, but you'll be surprised at the amount of people that have a cocaine addiction. It got to a point in my life where, you know, I was going out casually on a Monday or a Tuesday and we were going out Champions League nights, going out karaoke singing in, in the woolshed, you know. All of these places that you end up going out midweek, dices and stuff like that, two euro drinks. You would do, you would do cocaine every single night you were out. You know, it's, and then it, it came to a point where, you know, you can't go out unless you have a bag. And I think everybody would agree with this in Dublin, is that it's too casual to do cocaine. And then you hear people, you know, writing up statuses about being depressed and, you know, going through mental mental illness and, and everything else. But on the back of that, they're in the toilets and they're doing cocaine with their friends. You know, I know I'm one to talk. I've done it. I've done it for years and years and years and years and years. But it became so casual in my life that I needed this in order for me to go out. It was almost as important for me. 
to have 300 quid in my pocket going out than it was to have a bag of coke in my pocket going out. And I think for every young fella or every second young fella that I know, it's the exact same thing. We all casually do it so, like it's it's crazy how casual it is now. I remember years ago when we were growing up in the flats, we were like, we never touched that, we'd never touched that. Then we heard of one of our friends doing it and we were like, Jesus, he's he's after doing he's after doing cocaine. He's 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 done he, like and that was the topic of discussion. We talked about that for about an hour about the reasons why we'd never do it. Same people that have talked about it are the same people, including myself, that misused the drug for many many years and and have done it so casually. Um, I've been in house parties where one side was on ketamine, one side was on cocaine. The ones on the ketamine. May as, may as well have been zombies. They weren't having any crack. They were just sitting on the on desks like you would like you would at school years ago, face planted into a chair, asleep, walking around, chasing uh, chasing lights that weren't there. And on the, the other end, it's funny now that I think about, it, but the other end was myself and a group of people as well, and we're there dancing all night long. You know, it's 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 funny that you laugh. We laugh about these things, but. When you actually look back on it, it's such a scary time. Um, and we go back to the kitchen. We go back to the kitchen. We're all sitting in the kitchen doing cocaine, ketamine, you name it. Every drug is available in any gaff party that you go back to in the city centre or in town. Or, you know, I'm not joking you. I've been in house parties in on the, the richest road in fucking Dublin, you know. And the exact same thing goes down in those in those house parties as well. The drug is so casual that we just do it. It's it's almost as as important as as having money with you on a night out or having a drink on a night out, you know. And that's the thing. I'm not saying that I have the I have examples on how to quit that because I don't. I I really really don't. And I think everybody, you know, unless they admit it to themselves will have a problem actually ever leaving a bag of coke behind on a night out. And I think that's something we need to talk about as young men, as young individuals, because this again goes into your mental health. Believe it or not, guys, this is the main thing that makes us feel depressed after a night out, that makes us stay in bed for two and three days, that makes us not want to go out, that makes us not want to talk about our feelings. You know, we just bottle it up by drinking more and doing more coke, you know, and and that's that's the society we live in as young adults. Um, and I'm not just talking about the men here; I'm talking about girls as well. Girls are the exact same as boys, and their feelings and emotions are the exact same as boys as well. And girls do it casually as well. So I know I know loads of girls personally that would go out and you know have to have a bag on a night out, um, would have to. You know, or else they'd go half on a bag or whatever. And it's just become so casual nowadays. Even with the younger generation, you can see it creeping in. It's actually scarier because people are doing it at a younger age. They're starting to do those balloons as well. See, see that young guy uh, dying from it there recently as well. It, it's absolutely heartbreaking. But it's become so casual that these young people have nothing else to look up to. But the likes of myself at the age of 27 and 26 and 25... And these are what, that's what they're looking up to. They're looking up to people that I used to look up to 
but my my guys I used to look up to when I was fourteen and fifteen only drank in in the flats. That was it. They they drank a lot, but that's how it starts. That's how it stems. It stems from the drinking. It stems it stems from the gambling. It stems from the the, the first line of coke that you've ever done, the first line of ketamine that you've ever done, the first e you've ever dropped. It stems from all that, and I think in Ireland, in Dublin especially, most men have those addictive personalities where they bottle up their feelings, they're afraid to admit their problems to other people. And that's why the suicide rate in Ireland for me is so high, is because we're afraid to admit to ourselves the problems that we actually have. Like for me to not admit to myself for 11 years that I had a gambling problem, that I had a casual cocaine problem, that I drank way more than I should have drank in a week. Now, I'd still drink every single week. I'd still have me eight cans because, you know what? I'll work me bollocks off and work. I'm entitled to that. That's what I'll do. But the gambling for me is what made me sad, made my family sad. It affected my family life. It affected my relationship. It affected my relationships with family members. You know, I was asking people for lens that I should never shouldn't have been asking for. And I'm talking about family now. I'd never ask a, a friend for a lens or anything like that. But that's just me personally. But other people would. Because they're in desperation. They gamble away everything that they have. They drink all that they have. And then they spend money on coke that they haven't got. And then they have a debt over their head that they owe to somebody else. And again, that falls into the depression side of it. And that falls into casually just, you know... Saying to yourself, I don't have a problem, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. Ladies and gentlemen, believe me, any siblings, brothers, sisters that you feel is having a bad time, ask them about their problems. Just do it, because I can guarantee that they open up to you. They're only waiting for somebody to ask them. In Ireland, we have a tendency not to ask each other, how are we? How are you, bro? How, 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 how are you feeling? I'm grand, Jim, grand. That's what it is. I'm grand, I'm fine, I'm fine. How are you really? How are you really feeling? This can make the world of difference to one person if you just ask them how they're actually really feeling. Um, I've no doubt in my mind that somebody in your family is struggling with the, the struggles that I went through. The drink, the drugs, the gambling. It could be absolutely anything. But they are struggling. Somebody is struggling financially because of gambling. They're struggling with their mental health because of either alcohol or drug abuse. And they're struggling to let people know. Especially males in Ireland. They're afraid to talk about their feelings. Really afraid to talk about it because they're afraid they'll be laughed at. I've seen it. I've seen it second hand when someone's opened up to somebody else and someone else has made fun of them. We can't do that. We just cannot do that. We have to help one another out as much as we possibly can. Our addictions stem from what we look up to and what we perceive is is the right thing to do. I'm not saying I'm a god. I'm not saying I have all the answers. I'm not saying listen to me. Don't listen to me. Listen to yourself. The only person that can help you out of what you're trying to overcome is yourself. It always will be. This is very deep, by the way. This is not the way this was supposed to be, but this is just me venting, trying to help someone out that's struggling 
that's struggling at the moment with with trying to trying to let out how they're really feeling and they think how they'll overcome how they're feeling is by going back to what makes them feel that way if that makes sense I don't know that that sounds very confusing but what 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 they're trying to do is they're they're trying to go back and fill that void with coke with gambling with trying to get that feeling of euphoria that they that they've experienced before with the cocaine with the drink with the gambling I'm not saying give up drink I'm not saying give up all those things I'm not saying any of that at all what I'm trying to say is is if you need a helping hand just reach out to somebody with the gambling thing that's the only thing I can advise you on but reach out to somebody speak to somebody let them know how you're feeling because I tell you what it will make you feel a lot better after it. Thanks very much for listening, folks. And I hope this helps at least one person. Thank you.